Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What gives you goosebumps, Michaela? You. He gets them every time. You. I don't get goosebumps that often. Um, I get goosebumps when I... Uh, I'm cold. Oh, yeah, that's right. That, that, yeah, that yeah. tracks. Mm-hmm. I get goosebumps when I feel synergy Okay. between somebody. So not just environmental, also like internal sort of like spiritual things give you goosebumps. Exactly. Okay, great, great. And I get goosebumps when I hear you open the morning show. It's Wow, this is it. Iconic. Welcome to the morning beat. Yeah. We hope we, hope we give you goosebumps every day of the week. Good morning. Um, did you say good morning? I said good morning. Wow. Uh, Justin, please grab a uh, glass of ice water yes. to pour on Michaela. I just want to see if this is true. If she actually gets goosebumps and she's cold or not. To find out if she's a liar once and for all. Um, but thank you for sharing that with us, Michaela. You're welcome. Thank you. Would you like to share anything? Would you uh, like to share your goosebumps? No, I don't think I get them. Yes, you do. I don't think that I do. Yeah, you do. You know what drives me? You know, I won't say I will say this. I don't get goosebumps really, genuinely. But one thing about goosebumps that drive me crazy, have you ever met somebody who calls them goose pimples? Yeah, oh God. Hey. Ugh, the worst people, Justin. They also call it chicken skin. Yeah, that's just so gross. Like, oh, I get chicken skin. Am I the only one when people say goosebumps and I think of this? No, the no, goosebump series. I know, I know. I know I Wait, know. was that R.L. Stein? Yes, yes, it was. So good. Uh, they were the best my, when we were children growing listen, up. Listen, my brother and I had an inside joke that we actually still have. Uh, do you remember when he was the? A uh, dad, but he was the gardener, and actually he was like the plant. Do you remember that? Oh yeah. The movie? And so he looks at his kids at one point, and he goes, "Scratch <laughs> <laughs> yourself up. Stop gawking at me." And for whatever reason, my brother and I thought that was the funniest thing. That for the rest of our lives, whenever we're looking at each other, we go. Stop gawking at me. We think Listen, gawking is so funny. R.L. Stein, Goosebumps, as great as they are, I'm yeah. more of a Tales from the Crypt guy. Oh, of course. That was always my jam. Are okay, you afraid listen, of the dark? I was just oh, are you afraid say, of the dark? Afraid of the dark. Everything. But also, are you afraid of the dark? 
was so terrifying as like a nine-year-old. Terrifying, but also if you look back, problematic AF. How many little people do they use and like dress them up as like evil little dwarves and things did like they? that all the time? There was only a couple of episodes. There were a few. I have the entire series at my house, okay, so I know. Well, we're going off the Justin, rails. how old are you? Quickly. 33 years old. Okay. And you have the entire Tales of the Crypt? Not, well, I do have Tales of the Crypt, I, too. But Honestly, I, I don't even think that's weird. Like, I, I think it's sort of iconic. It's mm. amazing. It, how campy they are now. If you go back and they're watch the some of them. They're the campiest thing you've ever seen. Do you oh, guys remember amazing. Dude Ranch? I was terrified. Oh, of course. I will tell you, listen, listen, we're going off the rails quickly today. But I will tell you, if you know, you know. So for any of our listeners out here who grew up with uh, Nickelodeon like we did, Dude Ranch, uh, it was Hey Dude, actually, is what it was called. Hey Dude. I was looking up Brad... The other day, remember Brad, the yeah. character? She was so cute. And then also Melody, uh, what's her name? For, uh, Christine Taylor. Christine Taylor mm-hmm. played Melody. Christine Taylor is is Zoolander's wife. Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller. Stop. Yes. They're divorced Mar- now, Marcia by the Brady. way. Marsha Brady. Marsha oh, Brady, yeah. yeah. She was in Dude, Hey yes. Dude. She was a main character. No. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's time to do How a did show. I never track that? I don't know. We need to set up a time and we need to watch some episodes. Okay. I would love that. I had no idea how that one song could send me off on a tangent. It's because You're Goosebumps. Welcome. There it is. There it is. All well, right. Welcome to the morning. We have a great show planned for you today. Um, everyone's getting ready for Pride. You know, Pride is right, right around the corner, and every year we see more and more companies get on the bandwagon. Um, are they just, just doing it to make a buck, though? Are they doing it to make money off of our struggles, and are we okay with that, or do we feel supported? We're debating that coming up in about 10 minutes from now, uh, but right now it is time for News on the Beat. Michaela Gordon, what do you have? Okay, so there's a lot going on. An average COVID-19 case numbers in the U.S. are the lowest they've been in nearly a year, and a White House advisor says case tallies are down in all 50 states. It's a sure sign vaccination efforts are working, even as demand for vaccines slows across the country. About 40% of the U.S. population has gotten at least one dose after a devastating lack of vaccine supply and a punishing third wave of infections. Canada is set to catch up to and even surpass the U.S. in first dose vaccination rates. Still, only 4% of the country's eligible population is fully vaccinated. In China, a fresh COVID-19 scare quickly blunted vaccine hesitancy and led to 100 million inoculations in just nine days. Now, let's get into a little weather. It's going to be a high of 99 in Cathedral City, 77 in Sacramento, 81 in Buffalo, 88 in Baltimore, 82 in Miami, 97 in Vegas, and 73 in L.A. Uh, Give us a vibe of the day. Here's your vibe of the day. All things are difficult before they are easy. Hang in there. Okay, hang in there, guys. It's okay, even though it's tough. What is this? Oh, are you afraid of the dark? So good. It's so good. Listen, if you're between the ages of like 30 and 45. It it registers. You probably know what this means. And if you don't, watch the reruns. All right, coming up, Pride is upon us. So what businesses are turning to uh, make a profit from the gay community? Is it necessarily a bad thing? We discuss next. Justin didn't know we were going to come in with that song. I had a reference to the previous song ready to go, but uh, let's just throw me off my game. Yeah, who cares? Thanks for really communicating to us, producer Justin. It's Wednesday morning. What what can I say? Oh, God. All right, so Pride, right around the corner. More and more corporations are getting into the game, right? They're creating sometimes iconic, sometimes lackluster Pride swag, if you will. We were at Target a couple of weeks ago, and on one of the end caps of the doggy section... There were a litany of toys 
and costumes for pets. We definitely grabbed a, a pride rope, which Kingston loves. It's one of his favorite things. Yeah, well, he's a very proud son of two gay men. So. Uh, absolutely. However, some TikTok users are roasting Pride Month merchandise from giant corporations uh, who are now targeting what they're calling rainbow capitalism. Uh, they're not here for it. Uh, and they're raiding items from Target's Pride collection, ranging from shirts to pillows, because they really have it all this year. Mm-hmm. Um, calling some items ugly, some just kind of low-key sucky, right? Um, which makes <laughs> sucky. me, me want to ask the question, uh, does a corporation's support or release of Pride merch make you feel more seen or make you feel, feel more full of pride? Or does it make you feel like they're just trying to make a buck off of our struggles. I think it just depends. You know, it's interesting because a few years ago, Channel Q, uh, some of the hosts from Channel Q went to this company explaining the importance of not just celebrating Pride during Pride months. Like, it's got to be an all-year-round thing in order for it to feel, you know, authentic and genuine. However, I got a call from... uh, a publicist that runs a company that I work with, and they said, um, he said, hey, does this offend you? Just tell me because I'm curious. Uh, in making this flyer for this company, they said, hey, make sure it's like really gay. Like put like some some uh, rainbow stuff on it and make sure it's like two guys holding hands because we want it to be very clear. And he was like... Two guys holding hands. That's the only form of representation for our community. So the guy was like, do you find that offensive? Because I do. And this was a straight man. And I was like, it's not that I find it offensive. It's like ignorant. But like, I guess they're trying. I'm not going to fault any companies for trying. If you didn't do things in the past for our community and you're trying now, I love it. Just make sure that it's like one throughout the entire year and two... Try to educate yourself to understand that, like, slapping a rainbow on something doesn't necessarily share the same messaging. Men. Because also, rainbows also just, and then you please talk. Rainbows uh, represent a lot of different things as well, like rainbow babies. Sometimes women who have had miscarriages use rainbows as a symbol of, like, their rainbow Yeah, we don't have a monopoly on on a rainbow. It's not just, like, that's all it's for. They represent leprechauns. Yeah. Pots of gold. All sorts of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, okay, so there are certain, there's a difference, and I'm with you on this one. If If they're trying and if they're actually taking, you know, into consideration what we as a community want and need, here are a couple of things for me. So if a company's been doing it for a while, I trust them more. I work with Barefoot Wines. You know, I, I've been working with them for two years now. They've been supporting LGBTQ rights since 1988, right? And no other company was doing that back then. Not not many, to be fair. Yeah. And that was at the, the height of the AIDS pandemic. So they, when they do something, I'm like, oh, that's real. Because it actually, it's in, it's in their imprint. It's in their DNA. It means something to 1988 them. 1988 was the year I was born. Okay? Yeah, okay. That's a so very long time. Over 30 years, right? And we needed wine back yes. then. We need it now. Yeah. So Barefoot Wines, they're a really great uh, company to support. Also, Nike. Nike's been doing this for a long time, for years now. Well, I've been buying their, their Be True collection. And their whole campaign is just be true to yourself, whatever that is, which I think encompasses a lot. So they're another great one. But like some companies, they're a little bit late to the game. Well, but Nike also, I think you have to look at what companies also um, also kind of represent. Like Nike not only uh, is supportive of the gay community, they were also very supportive of Colin Kaepernick. Like look oh, for at, sure. Look at what other 
Black Lives Matter. They're huge supporters. Yes. Support. Yeah. Five years ago. So much. Five years ago, I got my partner a whole bunch of merch from from Nike for Pride Month, uh, and I, he has socks that he still wears to the gym. Little black socks. They say BLM on the side. Yeah. That's from like 2016, 2017, probably. So they've been in the game for a long time for a lot of different causes. Um, also, uh, a little bit late to the game, uh, but we're seeing Reebok jump in and do. This is what's interesting with Reebok. So Reebok did a collaboration this year with the House of Ninja from Legendary on HBO Max from the ballroom scene, which I think is awesome. I love the more shine that is put on the ballroom scene, the better, in my opinion. My only problem is this, and they were fierce, but House of Ninja was the only all-cis female uh, house. So I'm like, let's just think about how to be more creative. And there, a lot of them are white. And like, let's be more creative in who we decide to collaborate with and just showcase what ballroom truly genuinely is. Yeah. Not, there's not room for them, but there are other houses that represent uh, multiple aspects of our community a little bit better. So I would like to have seen them do better. Mariah Carey, though, she, there's some celebrities coming out with them. Mariah Carey, I think, is a great one. She's been showcasing rainbows since the beginning of her career. Yeah. Uh, that one makes sense to me. We know she's a supporter. We know she loves us. Uh, so it's kind of hit or miss. It just, I, I don't want it to ring hollow, but if a company has been around for us and showing up, showing up for us in other ways for years, I'm a little more trusting. And, and also, you know what? If you haven't been supporting, just say, hey, listen, we didn't do it right in the past. We'd yeah. like to try differently and then follow through all your rounds. Also, round. make stuff cute and make, if it's a shirt, make it like slim us. Crop a top. A cinch waist. Crop top. More of that. And right now, a major celebrity is being canceled left and right for being a bully years and years ago. Uh, we're talking about Chrissy Teigen. But should she be canceled? Yes. Why? Look, I have said it many times. I do not believe in cancel culture. I think it leaves no room for people to be forgiven. Uh, it leaves no room to learn from mistakes. I do, however, think that some things that people do live in the core of who, uh, of who somebody is. I don't. I, I've never bullied anybody, well, just for point um, and of I've been bullied. Remind our listeners why, who I, she bullied and why. I will, I yep. will, but I'm just saying, like, even before that, like, because I, yep. I say it so much, I, I, I don't like bullying, and I don't like cancel culture. However, Chrissy Teigen has been problematic for a while. I still let it go. I still wanted Chrissy to, like, win. Right. How And I recently heard that she's been trying to get sober, so I also, uh, you know, I really respect that journey. However, we did a story last week that she was bullying Courtney Stoddard, who now goes by they, them. Stodden. Stod- I say the wrong name every time. Wrong who am I thinking? Who is Ru- Stod- Ruben Stoddard? Ruben Stoddard every time. <laughs> every time. American Idol. However, Courtney came out and said, not only were they completely bullied online at 16 years old by Chrissy, Chrissy went as far as to go into their DMs multiple times mm-hmm. and wish death on them. Wanted them to die. Felt they had no reason to live. Wanted them to take a dirt nap. Yeah, they a released, dirt nap. released the receipts too on social media. And the media. receipts were released. Yeah. I feel like when you... How old would have Chrissy been at the time? At least late 20s. Well, how old is she now? I believe she's 30, uh, in her mid-30s. I think she's, she's older than I am, closer to 40. Yeah, she would think. have been late 20s probably at the time. She's 35 right now. Okay, 35. so she should have been late 20s at the time. And was she with John Legend at the time? How long have they been together? Married I, in 2013. So, so probably around that time. Okay. Right? So, uh, yeah. Regardless, you're 27 years old. When I was 27 years old, I was not threatening people and telling them they should go kill themselves. I wasn't doing and, that at 7, and at here's, 10, And here's at the thing. 
I know we get really attached to celebrities and we think that they're like these untouchable people and we want to relate to them and feel like we're them. She released a cookbook and a whole bunch of lines of cookware that were at, you know, Target, which they've already ended that relationship. They said that happened before any of this even came out. Macy's then sort of took all of her products off of their shelves and now Bloomingdale's has done the same. I work for Bloomingdale's and Macy's. I do a lot of events with them. They're owned by the same company. Macy's is the parent company. So this one was not shocking to me. Here's my thing. I don't think she needs to be canceled as a human being. I think there is room for growth and for her to learn. At the same time, that doesn't mean I support major corporations carrying her products on their shelves. She's got she's got plenty of money. She can never work a day the rest of her life and she'll be fine. Right. She'll still be better off than most people are at, at, in their best year on any given day. Mm-hmm. She's got that John Legend money coming in. If he stands by her as the mother of his children and, and, and he wants to and still be- And he will. A, and he will, of course. That I don't think that- we should be buying her cookware at a retailer for ungodly amounts of money when she is this type of a person behind closed doors. So so I don't need her to be canceled to the point where I think she also needs to take the advice she gave to Courtney Stodden and go kill herself. I'm not like that at all. I don't believe two no, wrongs make No, I right. don't think she should. But there is a difference between canceling somebody and saying, well, let's not give them the platform to sell their products and make millions off of us while she is this person. Well, I th- I think that, and this this is very much my own personal opinion. There's a difference between bullying because you're insecure, and bullying because you don't like yourself, uh, and then bullying a 16 year old and wishing them death. I was on American Idol when I was 16 years old, and I was very much bullied on the show and online. It was devastating to me. It literally took me out. I didn't want to sing for like 10 years after that. Mm. I know what it feels like to be 16 and bullied and to be uh, harassed sexually by online bullies. They called me all the names in the book, as they did Courtney. They called her, I mean, she said that Joy Behar slut-shamed her to no end. She married a 50-year-old 50, 50 yeah, at the time. Yeah, they didn't want to drag him. They dragged her as a child. Yeah. But then to wish her death a dirt nap, I, I just think it says a lot about somebody. And it didn't happen once. It happened multiple times. Well, I will say this. My mom brought this up the other day. She listened to our show when we had this conversation last week. And she said, listen, I get it. She's problematic. Also, I wonder if she was drinking or on drugs when she was sending these things. Because we have somebody in our family who's very, very close to me. My godmother, my mom's sister. And we know when she's drinking. She gets mean mm-hmm. on social media. She's a completely different person when she's sober. But I tell you, the things she said to my mother and to me and to family members when she's been drunk are just gut wrenching. You wouldn't the things I wouldn't say on my worst day. She just they they roll off her fingers on social media, and so I wonder. Not that it makes it okay. Not that it means we should sell her products again at Macy's and Bloomingdale's and Target. But as a human being. I wonder where Chrissy really, how she really feels about those actions that she may have taken under the influence of something. Maybe. And for that, I want her to get help. Yeah. But I don't think that means I need to go buy her products. Yeah. I Listen, I stand by it. I'm glad they took it down. I think wishing death on anybody at 16 years old is vile. Yeah, and listen, so, there are a lot of great cookbooks out there. Buy a yeah, different one. Yeah. Or just, you know, or just get Missy, Missy Elliott's album. Yeah. It's also iconic cookbook. Or just do what I do and ask your partner to cook for you so you never have to go into the kitchen ever again. That part. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you, I've loved Drew Barrymore for as long as I can remember. Not just because of Scream, because there are 15 minutes of just pure glory at the beginning of that film. 
I'm so uh, done with you. But I've been in love with this. How it's... you were able to even get Scream into this, I don't know. But it was kind of iconic, you little weirdo. Listen, the, the murder, the slaughter of Casey Becker at the top of that film is still one How of the greatest remember the name? films in the history of horror. Justin, come on. It's not weird that I remember that name, is it? Yes, it is. She, iconic, didn't even in the, she wasn't even in the movie that long. Iconic, but she kicked off the entire franchise. <laughs> to be fair, she was on the poster, and she was like hyped up to be this big the star. She was the biggest yeah. star at the time. Before that movie came out, she was a bigger deal than Courtney Cox, Nev Campbell, uh, David Arquette, all of them. That movie made them bigger stars, and then, of course, that little show called Friends. Yeah. Um, but... She's in the news right now admitting something about the early years of her career, even before Scream, uh, or around that time, that kind of shocked me. What's yeah. poppin'? Well, Joe's always been a big, big star, uh, starting with E.T. Um, and so now she has her own talk show. She's great. She's relatable. She had Dylan Farrow on as her guest. Um, but she talks about... Uh, her experience with Woody Allen and growing up as an actress in Hollywood. Uh, take a listen to what she said. I worked with Woody Allen. I did a film with him in 1996 called Everyone Says I Love You. And um, it, there was no higher career calling card than to work with Woody Allen. And um, then I had children. And it changed me because I realized that I was one of the people who was basically gaslit into not looking at a narrative beyond what I was being told. And I see what's happening in the industry now. It's so interesting to hear Drew Barrymore say that because Drew Barrymore literally was a baby when she started her career in Hollywood. She's only 46 now. Like, she's been around forever. Yeah, yeah. And she goes on to talk to Dylan Farrow, who, um, you know, it, it, it must be very difficult being Dylan Farrow and sharing the story and, and having, uh, you know, parents of Woody Allen and, and Mia Farrow. But she does... Thank uh, Drew Barrymore. Take a listen. Hearing what you just said, like, I mean, I, I'm trying not to cry right now. Um, but, like, it, it, it is just so meaningful because it's easy for me to say, like, of course you shouldn't work with him, you know. <laughs> He's a jerk. He's a monster. But I just find it in- incredibly brave and incredibly generous that, that you would say to me that... Um, that that my story and what what I what I went through was important enough to you to to reconsider that. That's, <laughs> Absolutely. That's the most powerful word of that entire conversation, the word reconsider. And that's a thing that I think so many people have a difficult time doing, admitting that maybe something I thought I knew was wrong and then reconsidering all the preconceived notions or the beliefs that I held about that thing for many, many years. I mean Dylan Farrow is talking about nineteen ninety two. That was the year these allegations uh, against Woody Woody uh, uh, Woody Allen took place, 1992. But you hear in her voice there, just being acknowledged and recognized, uh, and being able to sort of change somebody's mind. Yeah. All these years later, still Very means important. a lot to her. Very important. Oh. Yeah. All right, you guys. Well, coming up in our next hour, it's Red, White, and Q. Ryan Basham joins us, and we're talking LGBT groups who are opposing anti-hate bills and why. Coming up next. 
Welcome back to the Morning Beat. It's time for another round of news on the beat. But first, I want to tell you about a great hour we have coming up right now as our producer Justin turns off his cellular device. Did you get an update, Justin? Anything, anything important you need to know about? Uh, just some sports stuff. Just some sports stuff. Got it. Uh, the Lakers are playing tonight. They're playing Golden State Warriors. Can't wait to watch LeBron and uh, Steph Curry half. I out. know. Am I right? You super excited, Michaela? Woo! You love I've been sports. waiting all day. <laughs> well, maybe something else you love. I know you love sports. I know you also love politics a lot. Obsessed. Uh, coming up this hour. We've got Red, White, and Q with Ryan Basham. We're talking about an anti-hate bill that many members of our community are not supporting. We want to know why. Mm-hmm. Also, we're talking about Donald Trump. He's in trouble. Attorney Paula Candy is going to join us on the show today uh, to tell us the significance of this, this investigation into the Trump Organization coming out of the New York um, District Attorney's Office that has now gone uh, into the criminal sort of space. What does that mean? Uh, could this guy actually yeah. end up behind bars? We're having a discussion with Paula Candy. She's one of our favorites. Coming up a little bit later in the show. Right now, uh, a big vaccination news coming out of China. And also, Demi Lovato back in the headlines. That's right. So, uh, average COVID-19 case numbers in the U.S. are the lowest they've been in nearly a year. And a White House advisor says cases tally, uh, case tallies are down in all 50 states. That's a sure sign vaccination efforts uh, that they're working, even as demands for vaccines slow across the country. About 48% of the U.S. population has gotten at least one dose. Now, after a devastating lack of vaccine supply and a punishing third wave of infections, Canada is set to catch up to and even surpass the U.S. in first-dose vaccination rates. Still, only 4% of the country's eligible population is fully vaccinated. In China, a fresh COVID-19 scare quickly blunted vaccine hesitancy and led to 100 million inoculations in just nine days. That's crazy. A hundred million in nine days? Okay. It's about 11 million per day. I think at our peak, we hit maybe three million. Yeah, it's crazy. It's impressive stuff. Crazy. Also, it's weird how a little bit of fear will motivate people to go, you know, get their vaccines. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, in other news, this is big news. Demi Lovato publicly came out just this morning. Revealing that their pronouns are they, them, in a moving video posted on their social media, uh, Demi Lovato told fans they had been doing some healing and self-reflective work in the past year. The Sorry Not Sorry hitmaker, who proudly came out as pansexual earlier this year, said uh, they, them pronouns capture the fluidity uh, I feel in my gender expression. We have a little audio. Take a listen to that. Over the past year and a half, I've been doing some healing and self-reflective work. And through this work, I've had the revelation that I identify as non-binary. With that said, I'll officially be changing my pronouns to they, them. I feel that this best represents the fluidity I feel in my gender expression and allows me to feel most authentic and true to the person I both know I am and still am discovering. Now, it's uh, amazing because this is all coming um, as they're announcing 4D with Demi Lovato, which is now a podcast available here at Odyssey. Dot com, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are available. Um, and episode one is a very special one for Demi, sharing personal news with listeners, uh, and they will continue to. But that's a big deal for our community. So congratulations to Demi Lovato um, on getting closer to finding themselves. Yeah, I think it's fascinating. You live in a really fascinating time, and for somebody of the magnitude of Demi Lovato to come out and say that they are you know, identifying this way as non-binary is a big deal. Uh, and their podcast is, I'm sure, going to cover all sorts of topics. It releases every single Wednesday. Uh, so set a reminder. Uh, that's, a, that's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. 
So congratulations. Uh, let's get into a little weather. It's going to be a high of 72 in L.A., 97 in Palm Springs, 77 in Houston, 73 in Kansas City, 88 in Baltimore, and a high of 81 in Cleveland. Now, give us a vibe of the day. All things are difficult before they are easy. Yeah. You well, look listen. back on your life and like, that was a hard thing to get through. And then you're like, not really so hard anymore. Yeah, because you got through it. You did the work. All right. Well, coming up, it's Red, White, and Q. Ryan Basham joins us to discuss uh, LGBTQ groups that are opposing anti-hate bills and why so many are. Next. I am American. Welcome back to the Morning Beat. It's time for another round of Red, White, and Q. You know what that means. It's politics. And joining us today to break it all down is our political expert, Ryan Basham. Thank you so much for being here, Ryan. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. We're good, good honey. We're going to get to this. Yes. Uh, we're going to get to this January 6th uh, insurrection commission vote uh, that's going to be happening on Capitol Hill. Uh, looks like this morning. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But first, I want to get your, your take on... Uh, on this article that I saw, it says over 85 Asian American LGBTQ uh, groups opposed the anti-Asian hate crimes bill. Why on earth? Because on on on, on the surface, this this makes no sense to me. Why would members of the Asian American community and our own community oppose any sort of anti-hate crimes bill? That's a great question, and I think the issue here is that it's so limited in scope and that it focuses primarily on uh, policing. Uh, and, and they're not wrong. You know, we, we represent, the United States represents 5% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's prison population. And it's not like our, our incarceration system is working. We have a recidivism rate of something like 70%. So, wow. you know, they're saying that, that focusing on uh, law enforcement as a means to combat hate crimes just isn't enough. Uh, you know, they, they want to see, and I personally would like to see, uh, resources invested into uh, community development, um, uh, dealing with mental health issues, lifting people up out of poverty. We know for a fact that those things actually do reduce crime, whereas more funding for police, more funding for incarceration has, I guess we can say, a rate of diminishing returns. So, so, so they want to see more. Yeah, so it sounds yeah. like this is a case more so of uh, we want to get to the root of the problem, not put a Band-Aid on the problem. They actually want to go further. And exactly. we love that. Okay. I'm down with yeah, that. Yeah, I can sign yes. up with that, too, because I, like uh, I feel like what's happened a lot is that we've just put a Band-Aid over a situation, which makes things so easy uh, for, you know, Trump, let's say, for example, to, like, decide that, there's now a trans ban, like to really hit the root. Yes. It's very yes. much a situation where you just can't change it because you feel like it anymore. Yeah, where, yeah, where exactly. do you? Exactly. And that, oh, I was just going to say the part of the problem is that we as Americans like to have a quick answer and we like our answers to be simple. And for that reason, we tend to vote for people who sound like they have simple answers, even though a simple answer isn't really the answer. Listen, I'm going to go back to 2016 and 2018 even. You talk about you talk about a policy wonk. Hillary Clinton had so many detailed plans laid out yes. on her website for her yes. entire campaign. And listen, I would vote for her until the day she dies. I love her. Uh, but that's not flashy. It's not exciting. It's not easy mm-hmm. for people to digest or understand. Uh, and so in an era, especially of social media, where we want things quickly, we want them now, uh, sometimes the, the, the right thing isn't always um, the quick thing. So that's a, I'm really glad you clarified that for us. I do want to turn a little bit to the, the commission uh, potentially being formed to investigate the insurrection on January 6th. Uh, 
Kevin McCarthy's sort of been all over the place the last few months. He's problematic AF. It seems like at least the House is sort of still bending the knee to Donald Trump. Mitch McConnell says that it's unclear whether or not there will be GOP support in the Senate. Uh, where do we stand on this? And do we need support of Republicans for this commission to move forward? I think it would be better if we had Republican votes in the House to make it. Cre- it's going to pass in the House. The more Republicans that vote for it, make it more credible. Um, having said that, um, what really matters is having enough Republican support in the Senate, because this is going to pass the House. But if it's a party line vote in the House, the no Republicans, maybe one or two Republicans in the Senate are going to go for it. And then it'll die because it takes 60 percent of the Senate. So, yes, it really matters. And the vote in the House is going to happen probably today. So if, if you're represented by a Republican in the House, make sure you call their office or email their office. Uh, I normally say tweeting doesn't count, but go ahead and tweet at your representative today and tell them that you want them to vote for this because McCarthy is now actively pushing his caucus to not vote for this thing. Why? Well, you know, here's the thing. He, you know, his picture is, uh, you know, in the dictionary under spineless. I mean, he he really wants Donald Trump to love him. He really wants to in this he's calculated that in this era where Donald Trump can can elevate or kill off any Republican, he wants to be uh, the grandmaster of Republicans. And and I guess he forgets what has happened to everybody else that Donald Trump used to favor. Um, but that's what he has calculated is his way to getting back to being the Speaker of the House. You know, he says or he thinks that Donald Trump can get a majority of Republicans to control the House of Representatives again. I mean, the reality is that the Republican Party is fractured, regardless of what, you know, he and other Republican leaders say. But um, they already have an electoral advantage because of gerrymandering. And um, so far, there's evidence that in parts of this country, all it takes is Donald Trump to say so and Republicans win. So it's not a bad strategy. It could work. It fascinated to me that you used the term grandmaster to describe Donald Trump. Just to clarify, yeah. that is different from a grand wizard, correct? Yes, very different. Very oh, different. A little Ku Klux Klan shady reference yeah, there to okay. a former I'm not, I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it was a Freudian slip. I'm just saying. Listen, there's not a lot, a, not a lot of difference from where I stand. Where's Liz Cheney going to come out on all this, and and what is her legacy moving forward? Well, history is going to remember her well because she's uh, standing up for the Constitution and the rule of law, which is what uh, the Republican Party says they're all about. I wouldn't be surprised if she ran for president in 2024. I think wow. I think she and I and not I think anybody who's in Congress would love to be president. But I think she also I really believe that she believes she needs to do whatever she can, whatever it takes to get this country back to a place of sanity and actual facts. Um, so, uh, you know, she could be she could end up being the, uh, the 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 dark horse in favor of um, traditional GOP values that are, you know, not the ones that we loathe, but the ones that we respect, like um, respecting our institutions and upholding the rule of law and things like that. So got to get right um, with her uh, lesbian sister first, in my opinion. Yeah, please. <laughs> uh, maybe. Who knows? Maybe they've got a, you know, a kumbaya thing coming down the pike before 24. All right. All right. Well, listen, uh, coming up, we're going to continue our conversation with Ryan Basham, Red, White and Q discussing uh, still GOP, um, how they're trying to override voters on Medicaid, higher wages and even marijuana coming up next. American, American. 
You just sing along with Kayla? I okay, am well? American, American. Listen, I just love it. It's the only thing I like about politics. I'm going to tell you all. This is her. Th- that's exactly what I was going to say. This is your favorite part of the entire segment. Yeah, the, the RuPaul. RuPaul intro. Yeah, it's like I'm here for that part, and then I'm out for the next four. You and might half as minutes. well bring a pillow because after this moment, she just lays down. No kidding. Like some some things politically, you get very excited about very, every now and then. Some, very. Sometimes. And listen, Ryan Basham rules my world. I just don't oh, want uh... to. It's just like I get it. Yeah. Okay. So Ryan, I want to talk about Jimmy Lovato being they them. Spoiler alert! Welcome <laughs> to the show, Ryan Basham. We appreciate you. Um. Oh, no. It's an honor just to be considered. Michaela, here's your pillow. Go take a nap. Bye. Uh, Ryan and I are going to talk politics for Brian a Brian Holt, tune out. So <laughs> I am. Just kidding. I'm just so listen, kidding. I want some clarity on this because I, I think I understand how democracy works. I think that the people vote and then uh, the will be done, right? But then I live through uh, an election like Al Gore or Hillary Clinton where the people say one thing, but that doesn't actually mean what happens, right? The numbers don't mm. do, doesn't lead to to the change that the people voted for. Well, progressives were cheering this last year when voters in several red states approved left-leaning ballot initiatives. In Florida, they voted to raise the minimum wage to $15. South Dakota, very conservative, voted to legalize medical and recreational pot. Missouri voted to expand Medicaid to adults uh, who earn under a certain amount of money. Arizona voted to tax the rich and fund public schools. All sound like great things, right? And these are all from Republican-leaning states. Well, the GOP now is working to override voters on these issues such as Medicaid, higher wages, pot, uh, legalization. How does that work exactly? How on earth do voters vote for one agenda and then a party comes in and says, says thanks for your input, we're not going to do any of that? Well, ballot initiatives are complicated. You know, there isn't like a standard set of rules about like, okay, well, if the voters approve it, it's, it's law. It's not as if that's ironclad there is wiggle room for state legislatures to to do their shenanigans and if the state legislatures don't support something the people do they can to an extent sometimes get away with uh beating it down uh you know the reality is that that in a in states that are effectively one party rule uh, ballot initiatives are often the only way that um, ideas that they don't already like can get considered. And, and there are downsides. You know, here in California, every two years we have a ballot initiative or three sponsored by a certain wealthy farm billionaire from the Central Valley. And, and they often fail because the people of California have figured out, you know, that, that we're savvy enough to, to vote down things that are, you know, truly a special interest kind of thing, usually. Um, but but that's California. That's a, a, a one case. Across the country, we have a patchwork of systems that work a little bit differently. And, and the bottom line is that the people in power want to maintain that power. And specifically, Republican people in power tend to be really feverish about maintaining what they want in spite of what their supporters want. So um, you'll see that in lots of ways. But in this way, it's a matter of Republicans um, will scare their base into voting for them over things like, um, you know, abortion uh, and stuff like that. And then they'll get into power and keep it by changing education to make it so that they understand even less of their system. And then they put them in this position where uh, the only way they can do things like expand Medicaid, which is something that most people want, period, is if they can run an in-run around their own legislators. So, you know, these ballot initiative processes shouldn't go away. Could they be reformed? 
Maybe, but even attempting to re- to in- to reform them it creates an opportunity for entrenched legislators to you know minimize their impact. So uh, this is what the GOP is about, and I think the GOP needs to become a better party. There should be a healthy party in our system for. Um, more conservative values because we do need to have a multi-party system. Um, but the GOP that we got today ain't it. Mm. Yeah. That's it, Michaela. You excited about that conversation? Yeah. I Well, I, I'm listening. I mean, to, because to be honest, as I'm hearing all of this, it, some of it still just does not make sense to me. And I think that that's been a lot of my experience with politics. I think it's a lot of adults. Uh, I, and more I adults that, than you realize. Yeah. yeah, sometimes I just like to hear you talk because I don't even know what to ask because I didn't even know there was something to to ask. Yeah. It, it feels like some of these things are like, duh. I mean, I hate to say it well, But like that's real, that, though. But, but I think actually what you're saying, I'm, I'm glad this actually just happened because what you're doing right now is showcasing exactly what the GOP has wanted to happen for decades. They don't want people to understand the issues. They want to scare voters on one or two things. You know, where I come from, people vote on abortion and nothing else. It's also now, Mm -hmm. it's also the same reason people where I come from do not get vaccinated because they believe that there are fetuses inside of their vaccines and they don't support that. Even though the Pope has come out and said that is not the case, go get vaccines. So it's that misinformation campaign. It works. And I think that, you know, uh, look, me just as a human being, I don't listen to because I said so. I've never been that person. It doesn't make sense to me. I, if you don't have a reasoning, I'm not going to listen to you. It's not because I'm a, a brat or because I'm stubborn, but I just don't agree with that because I said so. Like, give me information and give me information that I understand and don't say it in a way that only college uh, you know, graduates can understand. Just say it. And if it doesn't make sense, I'm not going to do it. And I, and I feel like, mm-hmm. I just wish there was more of that. Like, no, I will say not going to. I will say I think that is a strength of Joe Biden, to be fair. Yeah. I feel like he doesn't feel, and I love Barack Obama all day, every day. I also understood the sort of elitist attacks against him because he speaks in a certain way that while I understand and appreciate it, many voters don't. Joe Joe Biden was able to break records and break through the the, the nonsense of Trump because he's real simple. Yeah. He gets to the point. And I, just, we appreciate that. That's what that. it is. Yeah. You know what it is? Just get to the point. Nobody has time. Just yeah. tell me what you need. Tell me why you need it. And then I'll do it. I mean, I think that's how a well, lot of American people feel right now. And if it does make sense, I'm not doing it. You know, and, and just not to put too fine a point on it, but, you know, I think most people feel the way you do. And that's totally OK. It's not. I know as much about politics as I do because I consume it for hours a day. I've made it a made it my a point in my life to understand these things, and I still only kind of understand most things uh, with politics. But but here's the here's the key though: that what people tend to do when they don't know is they start to make up things like all oh, politicians are evil and yeah. I can't trust yeah. the process and all this stuff. And none of that's actually true, but it's easier to go there. What we tend to do as human beings is let our lizard brain kick in and go, "I don't understand it, therefore I'm afraid of it," which makes someone like Donald Trump, especially dangerous, because if you're already driven by your emotions of fear, then when someone like that comes along who can play to your emotions and get you riled up and kind of get you to check out of your logical thinking brain like you were just describing, Michaela, then he's got a hold over you. Listen, and Ryan Basham. Well, I'm also not afraid of anybody. Yeah. So you I'm not uh, afraid of Trump and I'm not using my lizard brain. I, say, I just want to know why. She heard the word. She heard the phrase why? lizard brain and immediately I thought about conspiracy holes. We're not going down them right now, so it's <laughs> time to get know. out. Ryan Basham, thank you as always. Red, white, and Q is always so great with you. We'll talk to you soon. 
Thanks, y'all. All right, coming up in What's Poppin', Dear Evan Hansen is coming to a theater, hopefully near you, and we've got the trailer coming up next. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's time for another round of What's Poppin'. Very excited about this one, Michaela Gordon. What do you have for us? Okay, so I'm so excited. Uh, Dear Evan Hansen is a show that two of my dearest friends saw obsessively. They were obsessed. They saw it multiple times. Um, And the six-time Tony Award-winning Broadway musical is making a comeback. And it's uh, happening with Ben Platt. We have some of the audio of the trailer that came out Tuesday for the film adaptation of Dear Dear Evan Hansen. Take a listen. Am you really going to tell these people that the only thing they have left of their son is a letter that you wrote to yourself? So, you and Connor, tell us something, please. Right. Um, I started talking and you couldn't stop. They didn't want me to stop. I'm putting together a memorial service. If you wanted to do something... Connor showed me that, that I wasn't alone. Nobody is. So... That lonely feeling okay, so that's amazing. I cannot wait to see it. It's such a beautiful story. The only thing that's a little bit... <laughs> I feel so bad saying it. <laughs> no, I get it. Is that people are dragging Ben Platt saying that he looks very 28 years old. 27, I think he is. Right? Yeah. But, yeah. They're, no, but they're rounding him a year up. Uh, they're saying he looks even a year older than what he's supposed to be. Around high school students. Well, listen, listen, don't leave the man alone. He deserves to be in the film adaptation, okay? It's, it's not uncommon for people well into their 20s and even into their 30s to play this. You know, like Half the cast of Glee was their mid to late 20s when they were in high school. Well, you know, listen, but, Rizzo was 33 years old uh, I mean, in Greece. She she looked old AF, too. If you watch Greece back, you're like, come on. Some of the cast of Riverdale, they're in their 30s. She did look so old. She looked Hagrid. and God love her, but she did. Nobody watched Greece. Back then, or even now, I thought, oh, yeah, Rizzo could definitely be But also, 18. I want you to be Rizzo. Yeah, but also, she was supposed to be, like, kind of like, am I allowed to say the S word? Like a la hoey? Yeah, kind of a hoe. Yeah. On, on that, on that film. It. So, uh, it made sense. And you're like, oh, it was easier to understand that versus Olivia Look Newton-John. Look at me, I'm Sandra yeah. D. Lousy like, with virginity. I've been listening to uh, Ben Platt as Dear Evan Hansen, uh, in my AirPods at the gym lately. I've never even seen the Broadway show, but I love... Not you listen to Broadway while working out. Oh, I do. So l- listen to you this. You are so gay. I'm so Say gay. Say you're gay without saying you're gay. I'll, I listen to Broadway while I work girl, out. Girl, I'll go between like hip-hop songs from the late 90s and Broadway. My little sister is such a Broadway nerd, Mackenzie. You know her. And I was texting her yesterday. I said, really quickly, right now, top five movie musicals of all time. Do you want to hear what this monster said to me? I'm going to tell you what. I am so mad at her. And if she's listening this morning from Columbus, Ohio. Good morning, McKenzie. Know that I'm going to drag you. You ready for this top five list? Number one, Chicago. Two, Hairspray. Three, Les Mis. Four, Mamma Mia. Five, Sweeney Todd. I said woman. Have we forgotten Wait, about... Wait, she loves... I thought she loved... Um... Into the Woods? No. Anything else. Any, literally anything, anything else. else. I was like, have you not seen West Side Story, Sound of Music, uh, Cabaret with L- Liza Minnelli, Hamlet? Mary Poppins. I mean, they're... Hamlet? Huh? I mean, what's it called? God. Are you talking Hamilton? Jesus, God, Michaela, get out of this. Justin, what Would you consider Lion King, even though it's... No, I well, I, I actually, I actually, to be fair, I text non-animated okay. movie musicals. I did okay, say that. Okay, but Lion King is one of the reasons I wanted to move to L.A. I saw it when I was 10 years old on a um, on a school field trip. I know, it was like whatever it was. It was so great. 
I saw it and I was like, one day I'm gonna, one day I'm gonna live here. And then literally ten years later, I worked at the restaurant next door to the place I saw Lion King. It's incredible! In LA. You you had to be a little more specific. You ended up at the yeah, restaurant, not yeah, actually at the Lion King. So yeah, I'm super excited about De- Dear Evan Hansen. He does look old AF though. Yeah, he does. He does. That's not his fault though. They could have given him some Botox, maybe an IPL. Or filmed this three years ago. Okay, that's also fair. fair. That's fair. All right, well, coming up, uh, one of our favorite gals, Paula Canny, is joining us to talk about Trump's criminal investigation. Uh, more has come out, and uh, she's very opinionated, so she'll let us know what she thinks next. Welcome back to the Morning Beat. Uh, major news just breaking moments ago um, as Billy Porter uh, has made a revelation that Michaela Gordon is going to share with you uh, right now. It is time for news on the beat. Michaela Gordon, what do you got? Well, this is absolutely incredible. First off, I'd like to say that we had Billy Porter on the show just, uh, was it last year? He's been on a couple times. Yeah, he's a fantastic. few times and he's incredible, but um, he is, he's made history by winning an Emmy in 2019 for his role as Pray Tell, a character who is HIV positive on the FX series Pose, but now Porter has shared that he's been drawing on his own life as an HIV positive gay man for the role in an interview the Hollywood Report with the Hollywood Reporter. He's revealing that he was first diagnosed 14 years ago. The actor, the actor explained that in 2007, his life was in a bit of a shambles after being diagnosed with type 2 diabetes filed for bankruptcy and then diagnosed with HIV. Wow. The shame of that time compounded with the shame that had already accumulated in my life. It silenced me and I have lived with that shame and silence for 14 years. He told the publication HIV positive where I come from growing up in a Pentecostal church with a very religious family is God's punishment. Porter said he used his character on pose as a surrogate for his status, but the pandemic caused him to pause and process his feelings about it all. Listen, I've interviewed him many times. We've had him, like you said, on our show a couple of times, and there's always, you could tell there's always something else driving him, some other sort of fire. Take a listen to him explaining his career and his, his legacy in his own words. When I came out in 1985, we went straight to the front lines to fight for our lives. You didn't fall in love with anybody because... You didn't have, you know, we, it's like sex equaled death, love equaled misery. Like you just didn't, we didn't engage like that. We were fighting. And then the pill came in 96, everybody moved on. And now here we are. Wow. Just, That's incredible. Incredible. Uh, kudos to you, Billy. You are such an icon for so many other reasons. But to share this yeah, uh, in this time yeah. after this pandemic is just in the final season of Pose, by the way. Just incredible stuff. I think it's amazing. And uh, we have some video. Uh, we did a Zoom that maybe we can throw up on Channel Q as well when we had that conversation with Billy Porter because it's very iconic. and um, It's one of the greats. It's wild because you think that you know so much about somebody and, and, and so much about an activist, never realizing that maybe they still are holding things within themselves. It's a good lesson to treat people kinder you don't know even when they're creating history maybe what's really going on you don't know what people are going through it's amazing justin do we have that zoom still uh it's still available on the website great okay so we'll throw it on yeah yeah we are channelq.com go just just search billy porter on our on our site and you can find that interview there he's fantastic all right well let's get into a little bit of weather it's going to be uh well actually no this before we do there's also more history being made uh, as far as Demi Lovato goes within themselves, they uh, have come out today, just this morning, as um, their pronouns they, them. They are non-binary. Uh, and they discuss it more in 4D with Demi Lovato, a podcast that is now available 
on Odyssey, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are available. They said that um, this is the choice that they're making. They'll continue having very deep personal conversations within their podcast. But congratulations to yet one more person in our community for uh, living their truth. I think it's it's great if that's what's for them. So uh, it's going to be an 81, 81 in Cleveland, 77 in St. Louis, 75 in Sacramento, 100 in Indio, uh, 57 in Seattle, and a high of 82 in Miami. Now give us a vibe of the day. All things are difficult before they are easy. And I bet Billy Porter's feeling a little bit easier about things right now. I'm sure there's a huge weight off his chest and we're so proud of him. So Absolutely. Sending love. It's absolutely incredible. All right, well, coming up, uh, one of our favorite gals, Paula Canny, is joining us to talk about uh, <clears throat> the Trump Organization's criminal investigation, what that means, and when we might be seeing Trump in the courthouse coming up next. Major breaking news yesterday uh, after we left studio that the New York Attorney General, Letitia James, is joining the Manhattan District Attorney's Office in a criminal investigation of the Trump Organization. Uh, now, we knew that there, there was an investigation underway since 2019. It has now turned criminal. Now, what exactly does that mean? Could our former president actually end up behind bars? Uh, here to help us make sense of it all, one of our favorite guests, Attorney Paula Canny. Thank you so much for being here, Paula. How are you? Hi, Paula. I'm great. Hi, how are you guys? We're, I'm great. I'm great. We're great. You're any, great. Take it away. This Paula. news is amazing. Okay, what does it mean? So anytime, anytime that I think Donald Trump could be imprisoned is a great day for me. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it's super interesting. It's correct. For years, there have been ongoing civil investigations. And when it's a civil investigation, all that can be taken from you is money. And so like with, you know, that Trump University and so many of those sort of things, those were civil things. Trump had to pay a bunch of money. Now what the uh, New York Attorney General and the District Attorney of New York are saying is this is not about money. This is about time and where you're going to spend time and could you be put in jail? Basically, they're saying the conduct is so bad that it constitutes criminal conduct. And basically what the alleged wrongdoing uh, relates to is valuation of different properties. So, for example, Trump owns this mansion called Seven Springs in New York. If you, you know, look up Seven Springs on the Internet or Trump, you'll see this just amazing opulent mansion that he bought like in 1995 for 7.5 million dollars over the years he's uh attributed different valuations to that property so when he made a loan request to deutsche bank he valued it at like 200 and loan applications are made under penalty of perjury and then in other instances for tax purposes uh, when you go to pay taxes on the property, he's valued it like, you know, $20 million. So obviously, that's a huge disparity. And we're not allowed to value property different for different purposes. And so the reason he valued it differently is was to gain a personal benefit. So, you know, yeah, that's what they're investigating of that ilk. Imagine that, that he's being investigated for lying. Yeah, but that's yeah. really what this Wouldn't is about. That right. be the most ironic thing of all time? Well, Wouldn't also- it now? Well, so what, I mean, what happens next, realistically? 
Well, so really what's been going on this whole time is that uh, there have been a grand jury proceedings going on. So think back. It was just a couple of months ago. You know, Trump has consistently opposed the attorney general of New York's application and the district attorney's application for his tax returns. Ultimately, the two entities in New York. And the other thing that's interesting is that now the two organizations have teamed up to share their investigative work. So what they're doing is they're combing through all of his tax returns and the like to see uh, all of the different properties and then all of the other documents that they've also subpoenaed to basically compare all the different valuations that Trump has given. And what the start of this was, was, uh, you know, Michael Cohen, the pay, the payments to Stormy Daniels was the impetus because remember he testified to Congress, you know, the, the, uh, the Trump organization does different valuations for property. And the, also the backstory to all this is the two government agencies have been trying to get uh, a guy named Michael Weisselberg, who's the uh, CEO of the Trump organization to cooperate. And so what the whisper is, is that they actually have garnered his cooperation. And so if he turns, then you know, Donald, Eric, Donald Sr. are all in trouble. And then the other thing I was thinking that makes it super interesting to me is that state of New York has state income taxes, and usually couples have to sign the income tax return. So if Melania signed a fraudulent income tax return, she could have some downside too. So maybe they can you know, listen, they get, it's here's, probably just not here's a good what I day heard. Melania's family. Here's what I heard. Melania's making a comeback yeah. on TikTok. M- listen, Melania needs to turn on him because she can do better. Um, So here's the thing. So here's what I want to know, just from your perspective. Okay. If we're just now learning about this in the last 24 hours or so, right? Uh, right. To, to me, my brain goes into overdrive and I'm thinking, oh, there's a lot there. Mm-hmm. They they don't mm-hmm. actually admi- mm-hmm. admit something like this, that there's an actual criminal investigation into a, a man who was president of the United States just a few months ago, unless there's mm-hmm. really something there. I feel like they're there's not going to do this. something there. Yeah. 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 There is absolutely something there. I'm just saying just what I said, that, and even if they say it's, oh, the investigation was politically motivated, okay, even if that's true, if you stumble upon somebody valuing a property at $200 million to get a loan and then saying it's only worth $25 million to pay taxes, Mm -mm. that's a pretty disparate thing. So regardless of the impetus, the fact is that looks pretty fraudulent, you know, to anybody. How could there be a $175 million difference in the valuation of the Mm -mm. same property just for two different purposes? So the other thing is, I mean, I know that in April, uh, the attorney general in New York sent a letter to the Trump organization, putting them on notice that it has shifted from a civil investigation to a criminal investigation. And I all I also think there's probably already a sitting grand jury taking evidence on all of the things that you and I have just discussed. And by virtue of the nature of grand jury proceedings, they are secret 
until there's a determination of the jury whether or not to return an indictment. That is to, to say, okay, the organization committed a crime or Donald Trump Sr. committed a crime or the various other players that we've mentioned. Well, but no, I, it's probably not a good day for them today. Well, Paula Kenny, we appreciate you as always joining us. Uh, we'll continue talking with you. We adore you. Now, coming up, uh, Joe Rogan New says that bye, bye. Joe Rogan says that white men are being silenced, but he's saying it from his hundred million dollar podcast studio. Here are our thoughts coming up next. Welcome back to the Morning Beat. One of the topics we we find ourselves covering more probably than we'd like to uh, is the idea of cancel culture, uh, wokeness, what it means to actually be woke. It's one of those words that just a few years ago uh, most people had never heard of. Now everybody's woke. How woke are you? If you're not woke enough, you're going to get canceled, and it's confusing to people. Mm -hmm. Uh, But one person who thinks that he has a firm grasp on what it actually means and what it could mean for straight white men in particular down the road uh, is Joe Rogan, uh, and he shared these thoughts recently from his $100 million podcast studio. Take a listen. If you get to the point where you capitulate, where you agree to all these demands, it will eventually get to straight white men are not allowed to talk. Right. Because it's your privilege to express yourself when other people of color have been silenced throughout history. Okay, I just want to be clear. Uh, This host of the Joe Rogan Experience gets over 200 million downloads per month. 200 million. Do you know what kind of money this guy is bringing in? Uh, And he's had everybody on his show. Uh, He's recently had Elon Musk on. Uh, They smoked a cigar together on air. Um, And and, and he's got a lot of fans. Um, And and he's got a lot of listeners and a lot of people who really agree with the things that he says. Uh, he's a, sort of a modern version of like a Rush Limbaugh or a, you know one of those uh, iconic sort of radio broadcasters. Podcasts are sort of the thing now, right? You can you can get them. We're a podcast. We're a radio show and a podcast. That's mm-hmm. where everybody's going. Um, and so first, before we get to a response from somebody else who we know and, and love. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on this, Michaela Gordon. It makes about as much sense as it does when men say that women shouldn't get an abortion. That's literally as much sense as this makes to me. Why? Joe Rogan makes so much money. He's a white, straight man. Mm. All of his buddies do. Uh, He did stand up. When I did stand up comedy, it was a majority of white, straight men. Uh, They've never been silenced, ever. And I don't think they're being silenced now. I think that that's just a white male victim mentality. I'm, no one's silencing them. They're saying, hey, can you look at it from this perspective? Yep. We're not asking you to be any less than us. We're asking to be equal. Well, and listen. men have had the opportunity to speak for women for so long and to speak on be, on things that they know nothing about. And it's just the irony. It just kills me. Because it's funny. I really like Joe Rogan uh, in a lot of ways. I, I think he's very smart. Uh, I looked up to him uh, as when I was a comic. Uh, but this just, it, it looks so ignorant. It's so stupid. He I've makes tr- so much money. I've tried really hard to stay quiet. Sorry. I didn't want to interrupt Thank you, you as a white Love cis you. man. <laughs> I wanted to make sure that your voice was heard. Thank you. Do you feel, do you feel heard? 
Yeah, yeah, I do, okay, but I'd good. like to get Joe Rogan on the phone and tell him to his face. Okay, we'll work on that. But while we do that, let's listen to uh, Don Lemon's response and all of his beautiful blackness and queerness all coming together in this moment. There is an important debate right now about cancel culture and wokeness, uh, questions about what either term even means and, and what happens if it goes too far. There are legitimate questions about that. But acknowledging the oppression, discrimination, or differences of others does not silence anyone else. No matter what he has said, he has not been silenced. He has a huge megaphone with millions of loyal listeners, all of whom every single day say whatever they want. You know what I think happens when, when white cis men in particular, uh, of which I am, by the way, I might be gay, but I am still a white cis man, and there's a lot of privilege in that. When conversations change and social norms adapt and adjust and move forward as they should, I think what happens because I've been I've been guilty of this myself. I found myself the last couple of years saying, "Hey, hey, I'm I'm not racist, I'm not sexist, I'm not this that or whatever. So don't cancel me." Because I felt that I've been canceled in, in some situations, um, and I had to have a talk actually just yesterday with my manager who I've been with for a long time, another cis white gay man, and and his narrative for the last couple of years has been, "It's just hard to get white straight or white white guys." Period work on television as a host right now. All the gigs are going to people of color or women. The gay card no longer is like enough to be diverse because for many years I was supposed to hide the gayness because because networks weren't ready for it. Well, we moved forward very, very, very quickly. And now every single thing that's being cast is, is not being cast in my favor. And I found myself feeling frustrated by that, angry about that. Uh, and luckily, I have some really, really fantastic friends who have been able to talk me through what it means to be black and to be black and queer. My partner, obviously, is a black queer man. And I yesterday had a talk with my manager. I said, listen, I know that's a narrative that you've used the last couple of years to explain why maybe I haven't had as big of opportunities as you thought I should have. We need to stop that right now because I'm not going to let that be the narrative. And I think that's the thing that a lot of white men need to come to. They need well, to realize- I think that white men are also, and this is not disrespect to you, I think that white men are now taking the opportunity to just act like a victim. Like, oh, now poor me. Like, well, you've when, been in charge of, of everything, and now well, you're like, you, oh, now I can't. It makes you go back and question. It makes me go back and question. I think it stirs up some, some insecurities in a lot of white men, myself included, because I look back and I'm like, would I have had the opportunities I had in the past if I weren't white? And then there's a guilt attached to that. And, and it's so much easier, I think, to to ignore that guilt and just stay, yeah, well, I'm getting canceled. That's not fair. As opposed to really digging into it and saying, well, maybe I wouldn't have gotten those opportunities. And maybe people have worked 10 times as hard as, as I have and gotten half the opportunities. And maybe it is their time right now. And, and that's a real conversation. Yeah. And so I think that we just all need to take a, take a, take a seat, take a breather. Do some listening. And but again, I, I don't even think it's meant for, for white cis men to feel guilty. There's nothing to feel guilty no, about. No, I'm not that's saying a, it's meant for that. But I'm saying that's as, I a, as a white cis man, I feel guilty. I, yeah, I, 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 and I'm yeah. just saying to continue the conversation, just not as a white cis man, man. I think that when you feel guilty, you get defensive. And maybe Joe Rogan's getting defensive. Yeah, sure. And the truth is, again, still not about you. Still not about you feeling guilty. Just... You have a hundred million dollar podcast studio. You've been heard. You've been listened. Use your platform now so that other people can yeah, be heard. I get that. No, I get it. Equal. My only point is that with two hundred million downloads per month, 
there are a lot of people who feel like me and feel like him. Yeah. And not not that it's right, <clears throat> but there have to be spaces for conversations. Yeah. I know you're always a fan of that. Yeah, a, a yeah. thousand percent. The most important. All right, well, coming up, there's also space for Demi Lovato, who has a podcast as well. And she's making a very big announcement coming up next. Welcome back to The Morning Beat. It's been a very busy morning for LGBTQ plus news. Uh, right now, though, we're going to focus on Demi Lovato and Michaela Gordon. What's popping? Okay, so this is uh, big news coming from Demi Lovato. Uh, we've watched as they came out as pansexual. Demi's also talked a lot about being sober and having an eating disorder and, and their triggers. But they're now coming out saying they're non-binary. Using pronouns they, them. They announced this um, on 4D with Demi Lovato, uh, their podcast on Odyssey, uh, that you can also get at Apple Podcasts and everywhere podcasts are available. Take a listen. Over the past year and a half, I've been doing some healing and self reflective work. And through this work, I've had the revelation that I identify as non binary. With that said, I'll officially be changing my pronouns to they, them. I feel that this best represents the fluidity I feel in my gender expression and allows me to feel most authentic and true to the person I both know I am and still am discovering. I think that that's amazing. Congratulations to Demi on um, getting closer to their truth. I think that we've all been learning, uh, even just as the start of last year, the importance of pronouns. Uh we still get them wrong. I know I do oftentimes, but uh, they're important conversations to be had. And it's pretty iconic that somebody at Demi's level uh, could come out as non-binary, making it a safe space for more and more people. Listen, non-binary confuses me. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. Like, I understand gay. I understand straight. I understand bisexual. I understand transgender. Those all make sense to me. Non-binary is confusing. And not because I think that we shouldn't be, you know, having these discussions because I'm like, who cares? I, I, I and, and maybe that comes from a place of privilege to say that and feel that. But I, I don't care what anybody's pronouns are. I care that people are human and I care that they find love and they love themselves. And that's it for me. You know, I think it's a modern day like tomboy, like being a little girl. Uh, I wanted to wear a tutu and I wanted to play baseball. Yeah. Okay. Not. Ugh, I never want soccer. I want to play soccer. Did, I don't know. Who, I don't know whose brain I was using right now. Uh, so you're okay. trying to be relatable. Okay, a Rod. Um, but uh, so I would be like a tomboy, I guess. You know, like yeah. you wanted to play with Barbies, but you still wanted to do. Well, I played every sport. Every sport. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what it is. Just yeah. not having to conform to one particular gender. Yeah. I wanted, but, to, I wanted to dress up Barbie and undress Ken. Okay, now I relate. Got now it. it makes sense. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, listen, every episode uh, coming out of Demi is is very personal, very deep, uh, that she wants her, they want their listeners to uh, understand more about their personal yeah, journey. Yeah, a new podcast uh, drop every Wednesday, so uh, download yeah. the Odyssey app and make sure you add that to your listen, listening yeah. list. I think it's going to be great, and I think it's important conversations that need to be had. All right, well, coming up in our final hour, uh, this is the sorority sister who grabbed national headlines for mocking Dr. Rachel Levine uh, is receiving a lot of backlash, and we have the audio coming up next. Coming up this hour, Karma has caught up with the sorority sister uh, who was dragging Dr. Rachel Levine on her TikTok account the other day. She went on Breitbart to share her side of the story uh, in her university is now uh, making a stand. They're taking a stand on this, and um, we're, we're happy to hear, and we're going to share the update with you in just a moment. Right now, though, major breaking news this morning in our community. Uh, so much breaking news. We talked about Demi Lovato just a moment ago coming out as non-binary. 
Also, a dear friend of the show, Billy Porter, made a major announcement. Michaela Gordon, what do you have for us in news on the beat? So this is a big deal. Billy Porter is gracing the cover of the Hollywood Reporter. And the he, Hollywood Reporter? I know, with Billy Porter. Wow. Talk about synergy. I know. Iconic. Uh, well, uh, we love Billy Porter. We've had him on the show, like you said. But he is finally, after 14 years, breaking his silence opening up about being HIV positive. Now, he said where he came from, growing up in the Pentecostal church um, with a very religious family, that was God's punishment for being gay. That's how he felt for a very long time in 2007 is when he was diagnosed. He also was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. He had to sign his bankruptcy papers. And then come that June, it was all just too much from him. We're talking about a man who... Uh, made history for winning an Emmy in 2019. Uh, And he said the character that he played in Pose sort of worked as a surrogate for uh, his own experience being HIV positive. And I just have to say that I think it's incredible. He said being in the pandemic alone with his thoughts really made him realize that he wanted to share his journey. Uh, But here's some audio from when we had him on the show. Take a listen. When I came out in 1985, we went straight to the front lines to fight for our lives. You didn't fall in love with anybody because you didn't have, you know, we, it's like sex equal death, love equaled misery. Like you just didn't, we didn't engage like that. We were fighting. And then the pill came in 96, everybody moved on and now here we are. Wow. And here we are. Kudos to you, Billy. Billy's such an icon, such yeah. a trailblazer in so many ways, and and really never f- fully came into his own on a, on a grand public scale until he did like 50. Yeah. And I think it's really important because I think that we, and <clears throat> listen, I'll say it uh, for myself, it's something that I very much struggle with. I think oftentimes you think that you're supposed to make it in whatever field that is by a certain age, or maybe you're supposed to be married by a certain age, have children by a certain age, buy a house, or have your ultimate dream job. And it just goes to show you in 2007, 14 years ago only, he was filing bankruptcy uh, and having a very difficult time. And now here he is at 50 years old. So I I think it's incredible. Listen, I I can relate to the bouncing back from a rock bottom moment. I literally wrote a book about it. Yeah. And and if I could just have half the career Billy Porter has had uh, and use my voice in any way, shape or form, I know you feel exactly the same way. I'd be very proud of that. I'd also uh, like to talk uh, about this maybe in Therapy Thursdays, talk about bouncing back from rock bottom. Also, a conversation I'd love to have on the show because I think it's one that we often overlook is, and I'm not, I do not, this is no, no shade. I'm not trying to call Billy Porter an elder right now, but I think oftentimes we overlook the expertise and the advice of our elders. Those who have found success at whatever point in their careers, we think that we're supposed to be there by 25 or 30. And I, I bet you anybody, anything, somebody who in their, in their 50s, 60s, 70s would laugh at that. More times than not, people come into their own, into their 40s, 50s, and 60s. Yeah. And so we put pressure on ourselves oftentimes. I know I do. Uh, to be, I remember turning 40 this year, I was like having a meltdown my entire 39th year thinking I was supposed to be something. And then I turned 40, and it was my favorite birthday. It's been my favorite year of my life so far. Yeah. And it's more freeing, but I thought it's it was going to be I terrible. It's because I was there. Had nothing to do with oh, you. Mm-hmm. You are the only person who showed up to all my birthday events. Thank you. And stayed in my guest room the whole weekend um, during a pandemic. <laughs> That's how much you are obsessed with me. I'm obsessed with um, you. But no, I think that it is real. Like, like we think that we're supposed to be somewhere. <clears throat> Maybe we're right where we're supposed to be. 
Yeah, yeah. I would like to actually use an example very quickly, something that you said to me uh, <clears throat> just a, a few minutes ago that I thought was really uh, very helpful. I said, sometimes I get nervous to take a day off because I um, I feel like, you know, what if you're just so replaceable or, or what if, you know, you want to take a day off and, and then you get in trouble? And you said, maybe we'll bring this topic up in the uh, when we have this conversation. You said, you know, I took a day off and I got fired from it and it's the best thing that ever happened to me because it led me exactly to where I was supposed to be. A thousand like, percent. you gotta take care of yourself. Literally, honey, I, no, no <clears throat> this fear of what, what you think you're supposed to accomplish or who might do something better. I was hosting a national talk show on Fox, got replaced by Ross Matthews, who I adore, and I'm the one who recommended he fill in the one day when I was out of town. I was like, hey, Ross is great. Have him come guest host. They liked him so much, they kept him. That was devastating. But the way you spun it, the way you spun Girl, it. Honey, I wrote a book. I went on tour. I became a public speaker, and I'm still, I'm booked and blessed. Yeah, I just love that. Thank but you for sharing time, that with me today. Yes, you didn't feel time, like that, though. I almost jumped out my 10th floor window. True well, story. Well, I'm very grateful that you did it. Yeah. I've read the book, Flipping the Script. If you've not had a chance to read it, get it on Amazon. Leave a review. It really is life changing. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll go revisit it again. It's turned into a sponsored segment. It's not. People need help, and I'm living <laughs> through a panic attack right now. Okay, let's do weather. It's going to be a high of 97 in Vegas, a high of 99 in Palm Springs, 81 in Houston, 73 in Kansas City, 57 in Seattle, and 86 in Baltimore. Now, give us a vibe of the day. You ready for this? This vibe gets more and more pertinent as the day goes on. You ready? Ready. All things are difficult before they are easy. Okay. Let that simmer for a moment. Drag me for filth, why don't you? Coming <laughs> up, uh, we are dragging a sorority sister who... Uh, Got very transphobic over Dr. Rachel Levine, uh, but karma's hitting her hard. We've got the details coming up next. On yesterday's show, we talked about this young girl, Emily Hines, um, who is a student. uh, She's a sorority girl, sorority girl, a sorority sister, um, and she goes to Louisiana State University, right? Uh, She was uh, Alpha Phi, I believe, was her sorority, and she made a TikTok video about Dr. Rachel Levine, who was the first uh, voted on and confirmed um, a trans official in a presidential uh, position, basically. Uh, she's the number two person as far as like health in our country, and she's the assistant secretary for health. That's what her official title is. Right. So she posts this, makes fun of her, and then she went on to Breitbart News. Uh, she did an interview with them. It was a print interview uh, talking about how uh, the far left is trying to silence her and trying to silence any opposition towards anything that we believe, which is oftentimes the argument. Right. Um, and and trying to – she basically sort of doubled down on her transphobia. <clears throat> she didn't apologize for anything. Uh, but now there are repercussions uh, because uh, her sorority, they're now done with her, Right. Um, and she was called into a, into a meeting via Zoom, Alpha Phi, International Fraternity Delta Tau Judiciary Board, uh, discussed and said, listen, uh, we're, we're, we're not okay with this. We're not going to allow this sort of hatred to continue. Um, and now, as I understand, the university has taken action, correct, Justin? Uh, no, it was just the sorority. Just the sorority so far. So the university has not spoken out on this just yet. Yeah. Uh, but this girl, <clears throat> kudos to them for finally speaking up because, listen, the Greek – uh, the Greek sort of system has been problematic. We did a story just the other day coming out of uh, Bucknell University in Pennsylvania, 
and their Greek system uh, kind of faltering too. Some former fraternity members uh, marching on a safe house for LGBTQ plus students, uh, urinating on the front door, pounding on the windows and threatening them, and then getting high fives from campus police when they showed up, all for terrorizing these poor LGBTQ youth. Um, So kudos to the sorority uh, for calling this girl out. I think it's karma. She thinks she's being a she's a victim. Yeah, you know, here's the thing. <clears throat> it is it, 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 there's repercussions to to yes! what you do. It's the same conversation that we had with Chrissy Teigen, who at 27 years old wrote that she wishes Courtney uh, Stodden mm-hmm. took a took a you know I was going there too. You know I was. You're gonna say her name wrong. Uh, she, she should take a dirt nap. But she should kill herself. I mean. There's repercussions, and for her to make fun of, she's not voicing that she doesn't agree with the trans community. Uh, she's not voicing that she fears for her children, and here are the reasons why, presenting facts. She's just outright making fun and bullying Dr. Rachel Levine. And it's a difficult time for Dr. Rachel Levine because she's also being bullied by her trans sister, Caitlyn Jenner. Ugh. So <clears throat> you got to take action. It's not funny. And we've talked about sororities before. I'm actually very surprised the sorority is taking action because they tend to like stick with each other. Well, you know what? I'll say this. I think that this next generation is different. Even from when you were that age or I was that age, which wasn't that long ago. Yeah. This generation is different. The optics of it all are a great motivator, obviously. They're on social media and they're getting called out, which helps. But also, I think young people are just kind of awesome. Not all people are like this Emily Hines. And I'm going to, listen, I'm not giving her a pass, but she's all obviously got a lot of hatred in her heart. If she thinks that, first of all, how many 18, 19-year-olds really even know who Dr. Rachel Levine is? To be fair, right? So what this tells me is she lives in Louisiana. She's either being fed some sort of bull by some sort of conservative media outlet or most likely her parents. I think it's her parents. Adults. Yeah. And so I'm hopeful that this young girl will be able to look back on this someday and say, that was a turning point for me because I did I did better. Because I'll tell you, I've told this story before. When I came out to my mom, my mom was terrible. It took my mom about a month to really come around and sort of talk to me. Yeah, she yelled and screamed at me about how it made her look and how she was so embarrassed and how I lied to her. And I was like, whoa, woman. Like, yeah, we're not missing, about you, mama. We're missing in this whole conversation, me. My dad, it's my dad, 15 years to say the word gay back to me for 15 years. And this story is not the worst by any means. So many of our listeners can relate to this. Absolutely. It took him 15 years to say the word gay and he cried when he did it. And then he said, for the first time in my life, somebody has said something disparaging about me and called me uh, the F word. And my dad stood up for me. And my dad said, for the first time since you'd come out, uh, I realized, oh, wow. How must this affect AJ? Never really considered yeah. how you must, which is wild to me. Yeah. So hopefully this young girl can 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 learn from this and do better. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Well, listen, <clears throat> speaking of being gay, we are very, very gay, and we're heading into the gayest next couple of months for Pride. I'm so excited, but with Pride being upon us, what businesses are trying to make a profit, and is it necessarily a bad thing we discuss next? I'll tell you something good. You were just listening to Demi Lovato. They care more about what other people say because they are now non-binary. 
they made that announcement on their podcast. They sure did. And you can go listen to that podcast uh, on odyssey.com. Find Demi Lovato's new podcast. It's fantastic. It's great. Uh, And they're really changing the game. So uh, kudos to you, Demi Lovato. Uh, Here are your tell me something good stories of the day to send you off into the afternoon. Some love and light in your heart. So Bank of America. I still have issues with them. When I moved out here 15 years ago, I got so many overdraft fees from Bank of America. Oh, my God. Please, that I, know. I I switched to Chase just to try to hide from them. It did not work. <laughs> I got overdraft fees there. Turns out everybody will give you fees if you overdraw your accounts, which I don't do anymore, luckily. But Bank of America will raise its minimum wage to $25 by 2025. This is a huge That's deal. That's a very big deal. They said they just made this announcement. Uh, just a little bit ago, yesterday actually, uh, and and that I mean, we're talking about the fight for fifteen, and they're w- willing to jump all the way to twenty five. It says it costs us a few hundred million dollars a year, but it's an investment. Uh, the bank CEO Brian Moynihan told CNN's Poppy Harlow yesterday, adding that it's about maintaining a great standard of living for our teammates. I love that. I love it too. Banks make so much money. Yeah. So much totally. money. Totally. And they said it's going to cost us a few hundred million dollars. That's not a lot of money for them. Yeah. For a Bank of America who makes billions, trillions of dollars to pour some of that back into the people that actually make their company what it is, I think it's a smart move. I do too. So maybe we should skip this whole fight for 15 and go straight to 25 bucks an hour. I think that's great. Listen, it it would change so many people's lives. Completely. Uh, it, it would be so, so well, groundbreaking. We, 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 just, oh, we talk about, and I saw this article, and we're going to talk about it on our show, about this um, the working so many hours, right? Uh, we're going to talk about that, I think, oh, later yeah, on with this Dr. week James, with Dr. James Simmons about working 55-plus hours a week and how it's literally taking years off of people's lives. Nearly three-quarters of a million people a year die from being overworked. That's insane. So this is a step in the right direction. It's crazy. Okay, well, I love that story. And this story I love as well. So a veterinarian uh, saw this huge cat, a 17-year-old uh, tiger, um, at a wildlife park, and uh, <clears throat> she noticed that his uh, eyeball uh, contained a fractured blood vessel, but it was making it very difficult for him to be able to see. And so uh, it's believed that she was able to do the first hood graft surgery done on this larger cat. And after two months of careful post-surgery monitoring, including eye- daily eye drops, uh, this tiger has had a full recovery and is able to see out of both eyes. Oh, I feel like you're laughing, and I don't know why. I hate cats of all shapes and sizes, but I'm thrilled about this story. Wait, do you I'm remember? I'm so allergic. Do you remember death metal cats? And you did not know. Death metal. What was that from? Death metal cats was from what, Justin? Wait, you didn't I literally know. can't overexpress Wait, how much I hate cats. You did not know. Oh my god! Not this again. Not this again. I hate this so much. Justin, he did not know the story he was about to do. And he literally was like, I've closed closed my laptop. I'm taking my headset off. I'm done for the day. I hate hate cats and I hate death metal. It was just so good because you did not know the story you were about to do. And the way your voice dropped, it plummeted. And you were like, this next story is about... Goodbye. Cats. Bye. AJ, come back. <laughs> have, a good, have a good day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> Goodbye.
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 